Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm Christina Pittam, a creator and entrepreneur. And I'm Danielle Alexandra, a stylist and content creator. And we are In, In Case, Case You, you Haven't Heard podcast. podcast. We're giving you the behind the scenes and an inside scoop of what really goes down. So you know exactly what the fuck is going on. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of In Case You Haven't Heard. We are back again. My name is Christina. For those of you who are new, this is my voice. And I'm Danielle, and welcome to the pod. Thank you guys for tuning in. We have a few updates for everything going on in our lives. I feel like things are finally starting to normalize quite a bit in Toronto, at least. Yes, things are opening up slowly in the new way, yeah. the new norm. All the restaurants and bars are open. Well, they have makeshift patios. Yeah. Every, is that why? Because they can't have people inside? Or yes. just to like spread people out more? So only patios are open. Really? Yes. So that's why Lazy Fair has the new... Or Yeah, Lazy Fair now has a patio. As soon as I saw that, I was like, why the F is there a patio on the street? Because like there's all these cars. I'm like, ew. Like, like I'm pretty sure going all into of your King meal. Street did that. Well, yeah, they should probably just close down the street so people can walk around and I like, mean, not get hit by a car. I mean, it's all it's also it's already kind of like a you can only drive down for like one block before you have to turn off anyway. But but yeah, I actually had my first experience yesterday. Tell us, where'd you go? My friend, uh, one of my roommates from university, she lives just at Adelaide and Brant. And we haven't seen each other since I came back from London and the whole quarantine. So we um, just went somewhere close to hers, but just so happens to be the best taco place in Toronto, which is Campejo or Campachejo or something. I'm butchering the name, but really good tacos. And we, they don't do takeout. So we actually, we walked over and we're like, oh, we'll just do takeout or whatever. And then we saw that the patio was there. So we ended up. And how did they have it set up? Were the tables far apart? So kind of, it was pretty like spaced out. There wasn't a lot of people, but the thing is that we actually couldn't get seated right away. Like we had to make a reservation online and they had to like seat us after we had made the reservation. So I feel like there's some sort of rule as well. So they can actually track the amount of people. Whereas I feel, I feel like that's kind of like a new government rule. Yeah, that makes sense. You didn't have, did you have to wear masks? No. And I saw Binta was there too with her friend. I was like, hey, girl. and I was actually vlogging and then she was like in the background. It was really cute. Did you see her in the camera or you saw her? Yeah, well, <laughs> both, both. And then I went in and I was like, hey, like, and I instinctively wanted to give her a hug. But I was like, I know it's so awkward. Like, Are we supposed to? She's like, I don't no. think we should. I'm like, hey, elbows. <laughs> I think no hugging 
elbows. Especially or, not in public. I think it'll give people anxiety. I think that's like the But main it's thing. almost a natural reaction, right? You see your friend and you're like, hi, like haven't seen you in so long. And then you have to stop yourself. Like North Americans are already so fucking cold in comparison to Europeans. Like this is just bringing us one step further or oh, further away <laughs> further to away being from like, physical contact. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. But all in all, the tacos were good. Experience was... I mean, whatever, mediocre, all the servers are wearing masks and I'm sure that's going to be protocol for a while, which is why we need to get on that mask game. <laughs> Everyone has, so. Yeah. How about you? What did you do this weekend? What did I do this weekend? Oh, my friend got a new puppy. Oh so my yeah, Tara, shout out, got a new puppy. Um, so I went to go visit her. And then on Saturday, oh, I got a little tipsy and drunk. Oh my God, me yeah. too. <laughs> but not anywhere, just at my house. Or, yeah, that's Yeah, cool. at my place. And we got... Like you and Michael? Yeah, and then Tara oh, okay. and Chris came over, okay. which is like the only couple really that we've been seeing. And then... On Sunday, we went to his parents, my, my boyfriend's parents' house, and okay. we just had just a family day by the pool. So we were social distancing outside, I guess you could say. Yeah. But, you know, a few people, a few family members were there with little kitties. Yeah. But it's fine. Like, we've, we've seen them when they kind of opened up the, the, well, for wherever you guys are in Toronto, I think it was last week or a few weeks ago, they opened up the, the numbers to like 10 people. Oh, okay. Probably the same day that they opened the restaurant or the patios. Right. Yeah. So we kind of saw them when they opened up the band. So it's like the same people we've been seeing for the last like few weeks that we've been able to see people. Yeah. But I haven't been to a restaurant yet. We we're we're thinking about it. We were going to go on Saturday and then we decided against it just because we couldn't find anywhere that we wanted to go that yeah. was like worth the I really want to go to more restaurants before I leave now, especially the new ones that are opening. Yeah. Like, that's like it what I It seems like everyone's going now. I know. I actually also had two birthdays this weekend not so socially distant maybe like some were some weren't or one was one wasn't I guess I should say because there were two so it's interesting to see how people are kind of engaging in like group settings now like the first one my friends were are more strict so we had a group of six of us but everyone who like didn't live together basically or was just sitting naturally six feet apart just like respecting the other people's I guess sort space of personal and, space yeah. and and the protocol that they kind of want to follow that they've been following but then the other event was you know just not so socially distant but the parents were home and like the parents were super cool talking to all the kids so it's really interesting to see how people are kind of taking it now that things are kind of rolling out and now that things are Again, becoming more normalized, but we'll see. I don't know what's right or wrong. Some of you guys might be like, why the hell were you somewhere that had people that were talking? But it's like if you're going to the parents' home and then the parents are okay, you know, you kind of take that as an indication like, okay, like this is their house, their rules. So like if you're okay with being there, obviously you didn't have to go if you didn't want to, right? But if you're okay with being there and everyone else is, then I guess you just have to hope everyone's been pretty safe over the past I think people have been super judgmental of people's choices lately just because everyone doesn't know how to deal with the situation and I think if you are going to restaurants and seeing people someone who is still really strict might look at that and judge that and vice versa but whatever you feel comfortable with I think I mean 
I've heard that there was even a concert that was open. I mean, I think it was in Tennessee or somewhere in the Shut States. A yeah. A country concert. It was a country concert. Also speaking on that, I don't really want to get into this, but apparently there's a huge controversy with country artists and the whole Black Lives Matter movement. Really? It, yeah. Like it's just, they're so like white focused in well, all, everything that they... Like, I've heard that a lot of country artists change their names fake names no like for the example the dixie chicks they dropped dixie and now they're just the chicks and I then they would drop the I'm, chicks i think it was lady. So anything that incorporates some sort of like white verbiage yes they removed well i think i don't know what the deeper meaning behind it is i didn't research it yeah and i'm not educated on it but i just heard it in passing and then i think it was lady antebellum mm-hmm. they switched their name okay um I'm pretty sure it was Lady Antebellum. Yeah. yeah, no, I saw someone post about it on Close Friends and I was just kind of shook. Like sh- there was, um, I think there was three or four examples that she posted different country artists and like how, I think, actually, I think the main thing was that most of them were silent during the Black Lives Matter movement, like at its peak, obviously this is oh. an ongoing thing. And it was just like, wow, like this is fucked. Like the whitest of the white, you know, to, just to generalize, are literally not saying anything. So- Interesting. We won't get I into wanna it. I want to look into that more. I haven't even Maybe like the only thing that I saw. some research and then we'll talk about it next intro. Yeah, because the only thing that I heard were, were those two instances where they changed their name mm-hmm. because of. Probably mm-hmm. in a response to this. Maybe. Thing. Yeah. Also, now that we're on that topic, a bunch of YouTubers are doing like apology videos about, you know, past things that have been, you know, being brought up, brought to life, brought to light. And a lot of people are like losing their careers, which is cancel culture okay. versus accountability. So canceling, can- yeah. And I want to say that I no longer support Shane Dawson because a really? bunch of shit came out that because I surface level just liked his the way he did his con- controversy series and yeah. like his stuff with um, Jeffree Star. But he is sketchy. He is sketchy. A bunch of shit came out about him. And it's disturbed. Okay, this is the thing, though. Something else that I've been kind of listening on, AKVF podcasts and all of that, but also just, you know, kind of reading about here and there, is that canceling cancel culture is now coming, you know, to the forefront and is like a huge topic of conversation. But you can't judge someone based on something that they did in the past if it's like one or two things and then make like their whole present person and like the way that you perceive them in the present to be based off that. I think it's important to consider that everyone makes mistakes and if they address them and they rectify them or are kind of sharing or showing that they will, I think that's something that you should consider. You shouldn't just be like, hey, like you did this 10 years ago, like fuck you. I think that's why people are saying now, like you just can't not cancel culture, but accountability yeah like taking accountability and i think they're trying to well they the internet is trying to shift the narrative of that whole cancel culture to let's take accountability let's address it let's not just push it under the rug because i think a lot of people on the internet try to kind of either stay quiet about it so that it will go away mm-hmm. or they address it in a very 
you know, insincere, disingenuous way. Mm -hmm. And it just doesn't read, especially when you're making videos and that's your job, right? So I think accountability is important. I do agree that you can't really base someone off of one mistake. And I'm not just referring to YouTubers. I'm talking about just people in general. Because everyone now is, anyone who has, you know, some sort of spotlight is being highly criticized, right? Because it's easy to pull up that one tweet from 2010 and being like, you suck everyone this guy sucks I think it's important to give people the opportunity not give them a break but give them the opportunity to to speak about it and to kind of rectify if if they're willing to if not then you can go ahead and cancel them (laughs) (laughs) well with that said let's get into this week's episode we are interviewing Allegra Shaw this week yes Allegra Shaw is a Canadian YouTuber based out of Toronto she is probably one of the biggest I think and definitely an OG in the game she's also a co-founder of Uncle Studios which she runs with her two other co-founders her cousin and her friend yeah. Sure in. Um, so we'll let her take it away from here and we discuss, you know, her career as a YouTuber, as a creator, as well as how she got into Uncle Studios and the process of yeah, being a founder. I think with a lot of people, you know, wanting to start a brand, it's really good to kind of get an understanding of you know, how having a bit of a social presence might help elevate your brand or just push it forward a little bit more quickly. And Allegra definitely had that when she started. So they did a event, which they normally do every year, but they brought it from IRL to URL because of the whole situation. And it was called Camp Horizons. And it was an entirely nonprofit event where they raised money and um, the money was donated to Black Lives Matter, as well as, of course, Corona Relief. Um, meant from, it was actually Cam H where they specifically helped people's mental health during this time. Yeah. So a lot of really key takeaways here, guys. Also, little disclaimer, we had a little bit of a problem with our mic. So yes, please forgive us at the beginning. It's a little bit shaky, but we promise after around eight minutes, it gets, it gets so much better. So we apologize for the mishap. We just thought that the information at the beginning was really relevant and we didn't want to cut it all out for you. So just bear with us for the first eight minutes and it gets better. And if you don't want to listen to that part, then just fast forward to eight minutes and start from there because guys promise you it's a good one. All right. So why don't we start with a little intro about you and your brand and your YouTube platform? Sure. Yeah. I'm Allegra Shaw. I'm based in Toronto. I uh, make content online, primarily YouTube and Instagram, but I have a blog and I mean, I have every single social media platform. And then I also own a brand called Uncle Studios, founded in 2017. And we make sustainable and ethical basics. And, you know, we don't put a gender on them. We're just kind of like, if you like it, wear it. And our goal is to pretty much just create a line of staples for your wardrobe that are great quality, but are also sustainably and ethically made. So you started off on YouTube and I think a lot of people know your story about how like you kind of got into it before it was like, you know, the thing that everyone wants to kind of do now. So you got Mm -hmm. into the game before it got started. But how did you, I guess, decide to, you know, you started with niche, a niche video, like topic on YouTube and like a lot of styling videos. And I think that's kind of what like kind of kickstarted off you going viral with that. So how did you kind of decide to like start with something niche? Because I know that's the advice that a lot of people tell creators to take these days. It's like pick something and do it really well instead of spreading yourself out too thin. 
Yeah. I think when I first started, like I didn't, I, I wish I could say that I was one of those people that like had a, a business plan and like went into it thinking and like having a goal. But I mean, when I first started, it was like 2011 and it was purely just based off like community and, and not having a community. And I was going through something pretty traumatic and I just felt like I needed connection somewhere. So I started posting on YouTube. I mean, I wasn't even posting like consistently. I started with a everyday makeup routine, which I think is like a lot of people's first video. Yes. Um, and then I, I was posting like really inconsistently, like every three months, like it wasn't really about growing. It was just like, it was just community. And then, I mean, I did it through university again, just purely based on hobby. Like I didn't even, I wouldn't tell anyone that I did it. And then when I started taking it seriously after university and like being like, okay, well I could grow on this platform. I could do it as a job. I mean, I couldn't get a job. Like I applied to like a hundred jobs and I just didn't get <laughs> any interviews. It's like, okay, I'll give YouTube a shot. I, I actually don't really feel like I had a niche subject. Like I was, I was, I wasn't spreading myself too thin. Like I just went off my interests, which I mean, I've always been interested in clothes. I've always been interested in fashion. I was getting a lot of like requests for beauty. So I would do that. And then as I kind of got bigger, the request for like more lifestyle content was pretty prominent. So I started doing that, but the video, the changing video that kind of like gave me my like boost and actually like made my platform big. It's funny because it, it, it was like just such a, or like a natural idea. It wasn't like, I want to be, be naked on YouTube or anything like that. It was actually, I was, um, I was seeing someone and he had given me a, a song, a Steve Aoki, Sean Frank song to use. And I was like, I would have to send him the video to get whitelisted for my channel. And I didn't have anyone to film for me. I like, I didn't do outfit videos that well. So I was like, how could I like film this myself and make it cool? So I was like a one shot changing sort of like video where there's gonna be minimal editing it's just gonna like look cool I can show a bunch of different outfits and like that's how the idea kind of came to be and then that just kind of like blew up like I mean everyone does them now like I was not expecting that I was it was just purely based on trying to impress a guy <laughs> well it worked out yeah that's and yeah <laughs> but I think what you can take away from that is like you're saying it was so organic and like, yes. it was just something that you felt inclined to do. And because of that, I think is why it did so well. You weren't forcing anything. It really just came to you. Yeah. It was just like a, it was a great video idea. Like I have to give myself credit. It's like short. It's to the point. There's no talking. There's no bullshit. It's just like, here are the outfits for this season or whatever I was doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's why it, it went so viral because everyone can film that video. It's so easy to film. And now everyone does it, right? <laughs> yeah. Which is great. Honestly, it is great. Like I don't really feel a type of way. I used to feel a type of way about it when I see people doing it and like not crediting. And now like the trend is just so big that it is what it is. Like it's, it's kind of exciting. I'm sure Ingrid Nelson feels a type of way about vlogmas, you know? So you started on YouTube and then you went on to Instagram. And I know at the mm -hmm. beginning, a lot of my friends who were on YouTube never posted on Instagram as much as like your traditional Instagram influencers that started on mm -hmm. that platform. But even I noticed, I mean, following you myself, notice like, 
you know, first you guys posted a little bit less as like a YouTuber, and then you started to post more consistently. And then I found a lot of my friends who are on YouTube, their numbers started to grow exponentially on Instagram because, you know, obviously you bring across some people from your platform um, onto your other platforms. But how was the content creation process different for you? And was it a challenge? Because I know video and photos are completely different, right? Yeah, I think that was like a big mistake that I made. I kept my YouTube and my Instagram like completely separate. I, my YouTube name and my Instagram name were different. I wouldn't promote my Instagram. I don't know what's wrong with me where I thought like they were different platforms that like didn't need to. I mean, I think when Instagram came out, we like, no one really knew like what was going to happen with it. I was posting like my friends and you know, those like weird vignette photos, (laughs) you know, like I was doing what everyone else was doing and I never saw it as like a, a platform that could help YouTube. So I, I don't think that I really started taking Instagram seriously until like, I don't know, 2017. <laughs> I used to do YouTube campaigns and they would say like, we need you to promote it on your Instagram. And I would say, no, I would say like, I don't want to do that. Please take that out of my contract. <laughs> like, oh my I don't know what I was thinking. But I think like I just ended up, I mean, everyone was doing it. I saw the value. Obviously you get paid more when you can do cross promotion. And then, yeah, I had to learn how to take a pretty photo that did well. And I definitely, when I started promoting my Instagram on YouTube, like the followers did start rolling in and it was definitely easier than just like starting a YouTube or an Instagram from scratch. But I think I'm just like overall like a pretty creative person and it wasn't too much of a challenge to like figure out what kind of aesthetic I liked or like what kind of photos I wanted to take. It was, it was pretty natural. And then when the video feature on Instagram was introduced, like that obviously made it a lot easier because I could just like cut down my videos and put them on Instagram. Once you started to take the platform more seriously, how did you find the balance between creating content, maybe specifically for Instagram, photo-based, small videos, maybe IGTV videos versus the video content that you were creating for your YouTube platform? I don't really think I'm good at balance. Like I, I feel like that's something I definitely struggle with, especially when now that there's so many social media platforms, like you have Instagram, but you have IGTV. And then you have TikTok and you have YouTube and a YouTube video just takes like so much longer to create. There's the whole filming process, especially if it's like a blog, it's over the course of a couple of days or whatever. And then the editing process takes a long time. And then thumbnails, like there's just so much more that goes into it. And Instagram is so quick. And so personally, I find Instagram very easy. Like I look at creators who just do Instagram and I'm like, lucky, honestly, like, how great is that, that you get to like do little cute photos. And I'm not saying it's like super easy to create good content, but compared to all the backend work that goes into YouTube, I'm like, wow, incredible. But there's, there's so many pros to YouTube, you know, like the longevity of a YouTube video and AdSense and actually getting paid by the platform. Like there's pros and cons, but, um, yeah it's totally different type of content, but I think that with YouTube videos, like you mentioned, like they do live so much longer. Like my friend, Rachel or Sarah has like a denim video that she posted years ago. That is Mm -hmm. rolling in so many views at different peak times every single year, 
you know? Yeah. What people are looking for. Same with like, I mean, I know you're probably not doing this now, but like prom videos, you know, when prom comes up, the same kids who are looking for content ideas are going and searching that in the search engine. So the same popular videos will pop up. So in terms of longevity, I think it's better, but I think that's maybe also why that's not a thing on Instagram because it's almost like not fair if Instagram taking a photo, you'd be able to like re-see it every single year if it was searched yeah. where it like when not that much effort goes into it versus a video. But also the point of Instagram was supposed to be real-time posting, right? right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. YouTube has a longevity because the platform is kind of like never ending. YouTube creators, creators in general, how I see it is they're using Instagram and other platforms to kind of build their brand. Whereas mm-hmm. someone who's just using Instagram, like that is their brand. And I think you can 100% build a brand off your following on Instagram. Like you can really take it super far. But I definitely feel like, I mean, YouTube's my baby. YouTube's like my number one. And I'm definitely using my Instagram to support my YouTube. And as any job or any content creator, like you go through ups and downs and sometimes you're not posting on your platform as much as you can or want to. And that's actually kind of nice to have Instagram because, because YouTube takes so much time and effort that like, you know, when you have maybe two weeks that you just can't make some content for YouTube, like you still can engage and you can still have your community and talk to them and do that through Instagram. So I think all the platforms support each other and it's important to have your face on every and every one of them, no matter like how big or small your following is. Totally. And how are you, how are you feeling about TikTok these days? I know you've dabbled. I, <laughs> I like TikTok. I, I think it's a, like an amazing platform. I think that the community aspect to it is incredible. I think anyone can kind of like become a creator, which is super cool. And yes, like content that is um, original does really well, but I really like that you can like hop on trends yeah. and it's not like constantly having to be like a, a, a new idea, which is kind of what YouTube is like, you know, like you can hop on these like trends of like hauls or whatever. I think TikTok's just a, an incredible platform. I'm excited to see how it grows. I, and some weeks I have time and I post a bunch of videos and then some weeks I don't, which it's fine. But, um, I think it's, I think it's a really cool platform. Yeah, it's definitely a fun one. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of it's it's a definitely a fun platform, and people are less well, they are judgmental, but it's more of a having fun on the platform, letting loose, small videos that you can hop on these trends and feel like you're part of this small little community. I mm-hmm. consume a lot of TikToks. I probably should make more TikToks, but I definitely love and the niches on TikTok are really apparent, like the dancers, you know, mm-hmm. the small videos similar to YouTube that I've been seeing people do, like what I eat in the day. D- there's a daily routine. vlog. There's a daily vlog mm-hmm. going on too. Yeah. Like a trend. Or the voiceovers are huge too. I've the heard Kardashian that voiceovers, voiceovers actually, when your voice is on the audio, it gets picked up more. But I've also it's heard- an original sound. Very when you good. submit an original sound, I think it helps with the increased viewership. Like my morning routine did really well. It might be because my like, what is it called? Like your thumbnail was like my abs. <laughs> but I also feel that like helps. the original sound might have helped as well. Actually, what's really cool about TikTok is like no one really knows what how things get picked up. And it really does feel like it gets picked up because of the viewers and like people engaging. And it just feels, it feels like a really 
new platform. And I mean, we all loved Instagram when it started, not that we don't love Instagram now, but it has changed a lot, but like being a part of like the beginning of a platform is really cool. Yeah. Very exciting. Was starting a brand for you something that you envisioned for yourself from the beginning and how did you, you know, start uncle? I wish again that I thought things through more, (laughs) but I am definitely like more of a, just like jump into it and see what's up. I don't think I, I ever envisioned myself having a clothing brand. I definitely envisioned myself working for myself. I was one of those people who like, I was never a great like employee. I got fired from a lot of (laughs) jobs, fired from a lot of jobs. And not, it it wasn't because I didn't care. I just like felt like I wanted to do things my own way. And so we actually, Sharon and I actually started with a boutique that we sold other brands on called Glad Rags. And we had it for, started that one in like 2016. We had it for a year and a half ish. I think we just like, didn't feel good about what we were doing. We didn't like the brand. We didn't like the branding. We didn't like what we were selling. We just kind of felt like we were selling garbage. Like we were selling things that like you could get anywhere else and that didn't have a lot of value. And they were kind of just like the one-off pieces that you would throw out. Mm-hmm. And we just like, didn't feel good about it. So we, it was doing fine. It was doing well. Um, but we just closed it down. And at the same time, my cousin was like screen printing on t-shirts and so we were like, you know, uncle has like a cool aesthetic. It has a cool brand. We should like actually make this a brand. And so we really thought about it. And one thing that Sharon and I have always felt really good in is a white t-shirt. And we had a bunch of white t-shirts. We had like, you know, five or 10 white t-shirts in our closet that were like, oh, we really like this about this one. We were like this about this one. And there was never like a perfect one that we like also felt good about buying you know, we'd really like a Zara one for like three days while it was new. And then you'd wash it and be like, I hate this t-shirt. And that I feel also feel bad about what, how, how I purchased it or whatever. So we kind of went on a mission to make a white t-shirt and find the right fabric and the right pattern. And we went through the whole process and, and then we released it under uncle, which was, you know, a t-shirt a uh, screen printing brand that was printing on blanks and then kind of just like grew from there. We're like, you know, why don't we do this for everything that we don't like in our wardrobe? Why are our wardrobes so big with so many like things that we kind of don't like? And then we just kind of started a mission to, to do that and to make your wardrobe uh, a place where, you know, it's, it can be small. It can, it's sustainably made. It's ethical. And our t-shirt pattern hasn't changed since that original pattern. And I think that really excites us that we like really nailed, nailed the first one, you know? Yeah. And the name, I was just realizing since, you know, you guys are, are trying to be a gender neutral brand, did mm-hmm. the uncle play into that from the beginning? So I get asked this question a lot about the <laughs> name and I wish that there was a better story, but my cousin, Bobby had had named it he had always wanted to like name whatever some something uncle because when we were little we used to call him uncle bobby b oh my god amazing. and <laughs> that's really it that's, that's the story <laughs> that's like, simple as like, that yeah yeah there's no like meaning behind it there's no there's nothing but i think it's a i, I do but think it it's a great name it's short 
it mm-hmm. has that like hard cuss sound, which is prominent in a lot of brands. Like it just works. And yeah, yeah, we love it. And so you started, I guess, through your co-founder. So there's three of you. Mm-hmm. What's mm-hmm. your main role in Uncle? Because you obviously have your, you know, your platform, Sharin. I'm not sure if she does something else too, but Bobby mm-hmm. also does, you know, his art and his graphics. So what's your like main role in Uncle? Because you guys probably delegate the tasks, right? To make it all manageable yep. for you. Yeah. So I work on um, a lot of the creative direction and like a uh, big vision for the brand. I obviously help with marketing and um, doing the promotion on my channels, but then like how the actual marketing campaigns play out. I do, uh, I work closely with our agency who does all of our like ads. And then I like oversee the community that our head of community, uh, I oversee her and, and what she's doing. So like influencer marketing and all that. Sharin pretty much does all the operations. She does all the production, pattern making, fabric, like we fabric source together, but like production is really her and she deals with all the manufacturers and all that. And then Bobby does all of our graphics and kind of like art direction. How is it working with a team versus working individually for your own brand and your content creation? Pros and cons to both. I mean, I think when you work by yourself, obviously it's like you don't have to run anything past anyone. That's also a pro and con. Like you get to do your own idea, but that idea also might not be great. And working with a team, like getting other people's ideas, having a conversation, bouncing ideas off each other and like one small idea can grow into like a massive idea and, and also feeling support and not having to like, just be by yourself all the time for a long time. I like worked just by myself in my house. And like some days I would (laughs) be the end of the day and be like, Oh, I haven't said a single word today. Haven't talked to anyone, you know, and that can be hard. So I like working by myself, but I having like a team that I can, I mean, right now zoom call and get support from is I, is healthy. And I think it's made our our brand really strong. We've always said that I love bouncing ideas off each other. Also like working alone, but it's definitely a lonely process. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to have, even if you are working alone, a support system that you can really lean on and talk about things with, because it can be a lonely journey, no matter what career path you're on. I think being an entrepreneur is, especially by yourself, there's so many like low lows and high highs. And like, I can't imagine not have like with uncle, like I can't imagine doing it. That was Sharin. I talked to that girl 23 hours a day. And like, we sometimes are just on FaceTime, not talking, just working. I just can't imagine going through it by myself. I think entrepreneurs that do that and don't have that support. I'm like, I don't know how you, how you did it. It's, it's really hard to, to build a company by yourself and to not have someone who understands the struggle, you know? Yeah. yeah. I feel you. <laughs> Has it been difficult or I maybe outline some of your challenges because you have your own brand of you online as an influencer, as a, you know, a content creator, how do you balance your time or maybe you don't balance your time with your brand uncle now having mm-hmm. being a brand owner producing product and then also maintaining your presence online, creating content for your followers on a, on a daily, if not weekly basis. Yeah. Again, I don't think I'm amazing at it, especially when like life was normal. I would be traveling a lot and I would be called out all the time. Like you're never here and we need you here. And 
I had to really like rework my schedule to make sure that like I was going into the office and I was like showing face because it's not about like if they need you there or not. It's just like your body there and like your presence is really important, especially when you start growing your team and having employees, like you, you just need to be there. So I had to really rework my schedule. And when I was in the city, I had to like really take that time to, to like make sure that I was in the office and I had to, had to just rework my travel schedule. Like it was just a little crazy and I had to just say no to things and be like, I don't need to go here. Or I would just shorten it down. Like the last fashion week that, or fashion month that I did, I just like literally shortened it. I went to Milan for like 48 hours and I went to Paris for like four days, you know, like I didn't do the whole week because I had responsibilities back home that I needed to attend to. And my team's understanding and they get that, but there's definitely frustrations when I'm away, you know, like I definitely get the phone calls of like being frustrated, being like, we need you here. And I'm like, yeah, I I know I didn't need to be there. So I think during this like work from home quarantine period, I've taken a lot of time to like refocus my energy on uncle and put a lot of my energy into that because I think it's a great time to like build the brand because I'm really just, I'm here and I'm just not making, I'm making content at home really. So it's like work your schedule to like what is needed of you and when, and I don't know if you'll ever find a balance between 50, 50, putting your energy here and putting your energy, you know, there it's gonna sometimes, you know, sometimes YouTube requires all of my energy and sometimes uncle requires all of my energy. But one thing that I think that is great is that of course, they're like two different things, but I think you've been able to utilize your personal platform to leverage Uncle, right? I mean, there's so many ways where I think like that's beneficial and that's why a lot of creators start businesses. But I think specifically a way that you guys or you were able to, you know, get more people, get more eyes on your brand or more people in your pop-ups is because of that. So like, have you seen it being like a pivotal part of your marketing strategy for Uncle? utilizing 100%. Yeah. Like we didn't do any, we haven't done any influencer marketing or paid ads until two months ago. Mm-hmm. You know, like it was really my community and they're so amazing and they're like so supportive that we didn't have to do that. And I've talked to a lot of brand owners, um, especially in Toronto. And the one thing that, you know, and these brands are way bigger than us. And the one thing that they have always you know, has come up in conversations like your community is so strong. And like, that is something that we are like constantly working towards. And like, I'm not sure you guys know how like lucky you are to have that community because so many brands are working towards that and trying, but we kind of just like got that Mm -hmm. from me, which is like something we're so grateful for. Yeah. Like we haven't, the fact that we haven't had to do any paid until recently. And that was like, because we ended up, we have the money now to do that is like such a blessing. Okay. So now anyone can start a company, right? Anyone can start Mm -hmm. a brand. And I think there's two things that people are really shedding light on as being like the most important things when starting a, a business or a company. First of all, it's your branding, how your branding, how it being unique separates you from just having, you know, another clothing store on Shopify. But secondly, I think now it's even more about community. It's more about, it's not just the products you have. It's about the playlists you make. It's about the people who are constantly engaging. It's about, you know, you introducing your team on your stories, especially now with this pandemic and the shift in that. So I think community being so integral 
now that you have you already have that and providing that is just is what's setting you guys on off on the right foot and that again yeah a lot of companies kind of jealous of I would say right yeah and I think we've really shifted to especially with our first pop-up our first real pop-up last year uncle IRL like that was the whole idea behind it. It was like, we, we're not going to try to come and push people to shop. Like we don't want that. We want this to be community-based activations where we're really like bringing Toronto together, bringing everyone who like loves this brand together to like meet and meet me and meet the team. And then the shopping is like very secondary, which is something that we've kind of put throughout our whole brand is that the shopping is secondary. We want, we want this to feel like a community and we have a lot of things in the pipeline and in our, you know, five-year and 10-year goals that are fully just community-based with shopping being, obviously we need to sell product in order to keep this going, but really for us, yeah, like, yeah, for us, like community is the most important thing and having a positive, uplifting, diverse smart, well-educated, you know, like we're trying to educate people and educate people on the clothing industry and, you know, all the shitty things that comes along with that. And it's a lot, but those are our values. It's definitely a really special ideology and method of creating a brand. And I think it comes back to you being both sides of the coin, being a creator and um, having the community and then also having the brand. Because I think before this time, you know, some brands did put their budget into influencer marketing, creating a voice or a personality online. But I think now more than ever, brands and companies are realizing the importance of building that community when, you know, IRL is no longer IRL, like there's no Mm -hmm. longer IRL. So they Mm -hmm. have to figure out a way to connect with their consumers in a more intimate and in a more organic way. And if they haven't done that before, they're definitely jumping on the bandwagon now because there's no other way to communicate. And also Mm -hmm. though, I think if you never had it before, trying to cultivate it now is very difficult. And I think that's why, you know, you guys, and we can start to talk about Camp Horizons now, how you shifted it from IRL to URL. But Mm -hmm. because community, you were able to do that. And without having cultivated earlier, it might've been not as successful. So why don't you tell us about the, I guess, mission of Camp Horizons and how you, or when throughout the pandemic, you guys were like, okay, we got to do this. Let's just do it digitally and see, see how it goes. So we had been planning another uncle IRL for like, three months. (laughs) And it was actually set to happen June, the second weekend of June. And so we were planning that. And then obviously this hit and we needed to pivot. And so when we started working from home, it was like, it was like right off the bat. It wasn't like, you know, a last, I mean, it was kind of last minute because we had to like change everything, but it, it was like, okay, well we can't do IRL, like let's do URL. And then we have brainstorming sessions once a week. And I kind of mentioned like, it could be really cool to, you know, what's something everyone does in summer. That's like very community. And I was like, camp, camp is like, who doesn't love camp? Even if it was sleepover camp, it was day camp. Like we all did that as a kid. And then Bobby kind of like really took that idea and ran with it and did a bunch of amazing branding surrounding it. And because it was the pandemic, we we just like wanted to raise money for this, what's, what was going on. So uh, we made it a full again, community initiative where we're raising money for Cam H and, and Nellie's 
we just kind of went with that. Like we didn't, we had, we didn't make any money off of Camp Horizons and that wasn't the point. It was, it was to, you know, strengthen our community and make sure that they knew that we were here for them in this time because they've been here for us the whole, the whole time we've had uncle, you know, they've been supporting us and they buy from us. So we wanted to make sure that they knew that like, we know how difficult this is. Like we know so many people are losing their jobs or their mental health is at risk. And so we just wanted to really make sure that they knew we also supported them. And that's really authentic, you know, not making any money from an initiative that you're putting, you know, you had budgeted an IRL pop up before, Mm -hmm. and now you're shifting, pivoting totally to a URL nonprofit purely just to build community and to give back. Like that is expendable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Thanks. Yeah. I'm going to be like, praise. And May was a very hard month for, for us. We barely made overhead, you know, because all manufacturers are closed and, but you know, we're going to be okay and we're going to figure it out. But it was just, yeah, it, it is one of our pillars. It's one of our values. It's something that we come back to every time that we're making a product, every time that we're doing something, we reference our values and our pillars and our company and, and ask if it's aligned with that. From the beginning, was one of your pillars also sustainability or is that something that kind of organically happened throughout the manufacturing or developing process? It was from the beginning, just because we had had that boutique that we just like were so not into. And we were just like, I can't, we can't get behind that. So it was like off the, off the bat. And it has been a learning process, but I'm not saying we're perfect. And we definitely weren't perfect at the beginning. And it's a continuous learning process that we're going through. But off the bat, it was definitely something that was super important to us and on top of our minds anytime we were making something. Um, something else that I thought was great that Camp Rise instead was, I mean, you said you started with CAMH and then did you shift the donations to be towards COVID after that and then shift and then you shifted it again? Or was it, is the CAMH? No, so COVID? CAMH is COVID relief. Um, okay. It's, they're doing a lot of things for mental health um, during COVID. And then Nellie's is a, like a domestic abuse woman's shelter. So it's just supporting these communities that need it during this difficult time. That's great. And then now with all of this recent Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah. That happened in, in the beginning of June, you guys decided to pivot again and switch, you know, the donations or 50% of the donations for your care packages, which were all auctioned off at the highest bidder, I believe to go towards that cause. Yeah. So the care packages were 60, were just $60 flat. $60. Um, okay. Yeah. And we were set to launch them in the middle of, you know, the U S and everything that's going on there and, and the rides. And we just didn't feel great about supporting. We, we knew that the black lives matter movement needed help right now. So it wasn't really even like a, conversation it was like this is what we're doing we all agreed it was it was the right thing to do and so we just pivoted and I think being flexible and pivoting when you own a business is is key and again it was to show our community that we support you we stand with you and we're gonna actually take action and donate so we ended up donating to reclaim the the block I also have that linked in my bio if anyone wants to check it out and we can put it in the show notes too yeah absolutely yeah and Uncle Studios, we posted um, like a, a list of resources. I can send you the link to that if you want to have that in the channel as well. 
what's next for uncle? Like, do you guys have what's in the future? What's maybe a teaser or something that you can leave us with? We are definitely working on continuous community activations, especially during the pandemic. We want to keep this momentum going of keeping our community engaged and, and having fun online. And then, you know, we have great product drops coming. Our spring summer lounge collection is dropping really soon. Well, by this by the time this comes out, it will have dropped. But yeah, if you want to stay tuned, our Instagram handle is Uncle X Studios, and uh, we'll be posting on there what's coming. Excited loungewear for summer is literally probably all everyone's going to be wearing. Loungewear for every that season. in white tanks. <laughs> like I'm literally just throwing out all my clothes. Like I don't need them. I just need sweatpants really and like shorts. <laughs> I know, I know. And then do you want to plug yourself in as well for those that you know love to check you out on YouTube, Instagram. Yeah, my YouTube is Allegra Shaw. My Instagram is Allegra Shaw. Pretty much everything is just Allegra Shaw. My TikTok is Allegra underscore Shaw. But honestly, if you just type in Allegra Shaw on Google, like literally all my pop-ups come up. So just my first name and last name. Amazing. Well, thank you, thank you so, so much. much for being Thanks here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Zoom. Um, and thank you guys for tuning in. You guys can find us at You Haven't Heard Podcast on Instagram and drop us a comment. If you guys love this episode and give us a five-star rating. We love you guys. Thank you. Bye, guys. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.